Hey, Samir. Hey, Nathan. It's good to have you back. Thank you, man. It's nice to be back. What were you doing? Where were you? Yeah, I think that's good. How did God work in your life during that time? So, I guess, quick context, I went to Ontario to be with my girlfriend's family for a month, and it was really good to just to be with her family and to really get to know them and build a relationship with them. So, it was a really good experience. I learned a lot. What would you say was, like, some of the most important things you learned? I think just, like, practical stuff. Like, I learned how to make soup. You know, like, that was that was so helpful. Her mom is so good at not wasting food. Like, she knows how to make every leftover, like, so good. And she'll use leftover chicken, leftover, whatever is leftover, make it into something really good. So just little things like that and with working with them with uh, in, within the house. So a lot of practical things that I really enjoyed. Haven't you been dismissive of leftovers in the past? I have. That's the funny thing. You know that. I like throw everything after I, I'm done with it after the first time. So it was really good to learn how to like reuse use food. What's Ontario like in comparison to Alberta this day and age? You know what was so funny about Ontario? Actually, they're just so very friendly. Like they talk to each other. And I don't. it's so weird to me how different it is here. Like... You don't talk to your neighbors that much. You don't know. Do you know all the neighbors in this neighborhood? No. They know everyone there and they talk to one another and and they say, hi, Jenny. Hi, John. And they just talk to one another as they're walking. They're really friendly. You know, just like, I feel like I'm in one of those like really happy movies where it's like a white picket fence and everyone's baking, someone's baking a pie and everyone talks to one another and it was really interesting to be there and see that. Just very different. Well, that sounds ideal, but Ontario also has a higher rate of infection than Alberta, so... Yeah, maybe that's fine, because they actually, like, talk to one another. <laughs> what about you? How has God been working in your life? How has your month been? Uh, I would say God has been working in my life by giving me the opportunity to just work on projects in peace, quiet, been working a lot on trying to improve my animation skills and modeling skills. I, I had an opportunity to sit through a, a week-long webinar hosted by Netflix, and I managed to get connected with the community that was formed by the people who were also part of the webinar. It, it, it was like I was at a convention for animators, except I wasn't. And on one hand, I, I feel rather conflicted by that because I'd love to be meeting all of these people in person and having lunch with them. But at the same time, I don't want to have to spend like thousands of dollars just to go to a convention in LA. So it like worked out. You got the best of both worlds in a way. In a way. I would prefer if it were more ideal. Like I would say like one downside of spending a month alone was that I'm very much prone to self-destruction if left to my own devices. I'm like a computer and when I'm on, I'm productive. But the thing is, I don't turn off. And because I don't turn off, I start breaking down and I start doing things that I'm not necessarily proud of in hindsight. And I, I think one of those things is, is what we're going to be talking about today. Let me preface this entire discussion by sharing a story of what I consider to be one of the most awkward, cringiest things we've ever both gone through. You were about to head out on a mission trip to China. We had all gone to Boston Pizza to hang out with each other. 
And one of the people who was there alongside us was a girl who I had strong feelings for. She didn't reciprocate those feelings in any way. She seemed to be much more invested and interested in having a friendship with you. And there was a part of me that was just really jealous of that. But after we'd finished our meal at Boston Pizza, Pastor Sam was gonna be driving us home. And one of the, the people who was in the car with us was that girl. And I kind of thought to myself, well, this is interesting. I've been kind of hoping for a moment like this to occur. And then to my horror within seconds, I don't know if this, this is just part of her personality. I don't know if she was trying to screw with me, but she started talking to you in a very flirtatious manner. That's the way that I interpreted it. Anyways, I didn't want to have to deal with that. And so I asked to be let out of the car. I was denied that request. I had a little bit of a minor freak out. And after we had dropped her home, you and I, we had this conversation in front of everyone else in the car about my feelings for this girl and how it was very unlikely that I would ever get a chance to be with her and that I needed to give up on her. And I remember just being very distressed by that argument. When I got home that night, I ended up crying my eyes out. And I, I, I kind of thought to myself, I've completely shot myself in the foot in terms of your respect for me and other people's respect for me. I don't know how I'm going to be able to recover from this. And somehow we did. So if I might ask, why do you think we were able to recover from that moment? If I'm being completely honest, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think we reconciled somehow. We talked about it. I would. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how we reconciled because it was like what three years ago. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, three and a half years ago. So like, I don't remember exactly the details, but we did though. But I want to give context too. Though I don't think I think in in that context, I don't think that person or that girl was trying to be flirtatious and. I think we just had a really good friendship and we really connected because we're both very like missional evangelistic and we just would connect. I wasn't at all though into her in that way. Well, I know that now you have a girlfriend who's completely different. Yeah. So, but I think we just connected on more of a missional mindset and that, but I don't think she was trying to, in my opinion, knowing her, I don't think she was trying to be flirtatious and provoke you. And, and kind of frustration or anger, but I could see how maybe you took that kind of position because she is somewhat giggly and 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 touchy and occasionally seductive. I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah. But should I tell them what happened recently? Yes. Okay. So so like before last month, that was the worst thing we'd ever gone through. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And now let's give context for what is currently the worst thing we've ever gone through. In our relationship. In, yeah. our, in our friendship. In, in our friendship, yeah. I, I think this is, like the context is, uh, my family, uh, really last minute, they're Canadian citizens, but they are living in Ethiopia and they were coming back to Canada because of this whole crisis. And when they're coming back, I felt an obligation for them to come into our house because I come from more of a collective society. So I feel that obligation to take care of my parents and of my sister. And I called Nathan last minute and I said, hey, Nathan, can my family stay here? And he kind of was hesitant and then really, really resistant. And I got really frustrated because I'm like, 
why aren't you allowing my family to stay here? And that really, man, I remember I stayed up like eight hours. I was so mad at him because he's like, how is he not gonna let my family stay here? They have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to stay. I felt you rejecting them was you rejecting me. And I got angry and I couldn't even, I remember I couldn't stop talking about it to Faith, talking about it to just people and talking about it in that house. And, and what were other people's reactions to my I, decisions? I think Faith dad was mad at you too. <laughs> but Faith mom, because their son has Asperger's, she was more understanding and more, she kind of understood your situation because with people that have Asperger's, they don't like sudden change and they like to be more alone, but also they struggle sometimes with, they can come off sometimes selfish too, yep. you know? And I think her giving me that was like, I understand, she was giving, she was defending you in some ways. And I was just like frustrated. And I'm like, that is not a Christian attitude. This is, this is, I was going off and, so I was mad. That was my position. That's how I was interpreting it. So that really got really, it really got to me. And I think it was not just because you not wanting them to stay here. I think I just felt like deep down, I just felt like because if you reject them, you're rejecting me. You know what I mean? And I think, I don't know if that's just like more of a collective mindset because maybe here we can accept the individual and still reject the family. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can accept you, but reject your family. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And to us, so it's it's like, not in, in the sense that I accept them in the sense of like, I accept their ideas and their beliefs, but there is an obligation to take care of your family, even if you don't see eye to eye on a lot of things and to help them, regardless if you hate their guts or not. And I think, so it was not just your Asperger's, it was, but it was also like, the cultural differences that played into it, your natural temperaments to love to be alone, to not like sudden change. All these things kind of brought this huge kind of gap between us. And it was like the gap was slowly spreading and getting wider and wider until... And it really didn't help that we were in different provinces, different time zones. I would say from my perspective, it, it felt like you were trying to impose something on me that I didn't feel like I had much of a choice in. And I I think I kind of just wanted to ask the question, like, what are the other options here? Your mother was planning on coming back anyways. Was she always planning on coming back to stay with you? Mm-hmm. Was she planning on staying with a friend? Was she planning on getting a place of her own? Why, why weren't these questions being asked uh, as to what the plan was, not just like short term of, oh, you're going to be coming here and you're going to be staying here for the sake of your own safety, but also for the long term of like, what are you planning on doing for the next month, six months, yeah. year? And I think I was the one thing I, when I'm reflecting back and looking back, I didn't even have the details when I communicated to you. I remember when I called you and asked you to, I remember you asked me what's the plan, what's the deed, you asked me questions and I didn't even know. And I think looking back, I should have even thought it through a bit more of like, okay, this is temporary for a month we're looking for like I, I didn't even figure out the details in that regard before I shared the so I could I could see how it came off very imposing there there had been uh, certain choices you had made uh, in the in the recent past where I didn't feel like you were going to respect my wishes even if I did get the go-ahead of course you had gone off to Ontario it, it felt illogical for me as to why you would just 
leave for a province that has a higher rate of infection than the province we already live in. I, you, you had uh, taken some money that uh, you had been given by the government and you had invested it in the stock market in a manner that uh, I had advised against. And th there were moments like those where I, I kind of thought to myself, well, even if I do say yes, even if I like agree to this uh, arrangement, if another conflict comes up, whether it's between myself and Samir's mom or myself and Samir, is Samir, is he still going to respect me when I say no? And I didn't feel like I received that kind of respect in the conversations I was having with you. I think the big issue here was the distance. We were provinces apart. We weren't really in a place where we could easily communicate with each other. We could easily know each other's intentions. And that, that caused us to break down, honestly. Yeah, it got, and it got really bad to a point, like I remember calling you and saying, like, I don't really want to pursue a friendship. And I was like, I'm done with the podcast. I'm, I'm really not doing this no more. <laughs> Which would have been awkward because you still were planning on staying here for another month. Yeah, I was going to stay here for another month, but I was like, I'm I'm not going to talk to him at all. I'm just going to do my own thing and just kind of, because I, I, I think for me, I just felt kind of betrayed in, in a sense. Because I'm like, if I can't rely on him when it gets tough like this how can I rely on him in the future and that's how I took it and I think in my mind someone said this to me I think it was Faith she said how like in different cultures like friendship means different things yeah and different obligations so like you have to be careful to call someone a friend in maybe in Africa or in China because it brings about like an obligation now to financially help them. But if we said you're my friend here in Canada, like you wouldn't feel an obligation to financially support them or any if they ever needed it and stuff like that, right? You would feel like that would not be incorporated in a, the title friendship. Well, in a sense, I would feel an obligation to support them, whether it's financially or otherwise. But in the recent past, there had been some unfortunate moments when I had chosen to financially support certain people who turned out not to be good investments on my part. I think it's not a good I think it's just it was bad friends. It was just not the best friends that you kind of kept around. Maybe. And one of the things I was saying to Nathan was like, man, I stuck with you. Compare me to your other friends, and I'm not saying like I'm better than them. You are better than them. <laughs> but in, in a sense, like I'm in it for the long haul. I'm with you, and I've supported you in bad times, and I've been there with you. Like, but let me just tell how did we come to a conclusion? Because the context is we were we are now both cities apart. Yeah, frustrated couldn't listen to one another, couldn't understand each other's situation and why we felt the way we felt. We were both kind of frustrated. And then there was a woman named Rosa. She's a mutual friend of ours. Mutual friend of ours. And she came in, she talked to me individually and she talked to Nathan individually. And then she sat us, she sat us down on a webcam when we sat down and she got us to pray before we talked to one another. And then we shared each other's positions and why we felt the way we felt. And then we had to listen to one another and then we forgave one another and then we reconciled. And I came back and things are back to normal. And Ish. I don't really feel any tension. Well, you're still gonna be out in like a month, right? Yeah, but the moving would have been, even if we were in, I mean, this experience probably never happened. Like, I think the moving out decision was on the basis of, like, what's the best thing for my family to help them? Because even though they are coming back, one of my mistakes was I didn't really think through how long they would stay here. And I couldn't, I couldn't possibly see them living here for, like, a year. 
you know, obviously they had to eventually find their own place. And yeah. that would have eventually came up. Even if you said, yes, it's okay, they can stay here. Like, I would have eventually been, like, a week down the road, be like, okay, we still need to find them a place to stay. And I might have to move in with them to support them in this time financially to, to be there just to help. So it would have ended up this way regardless of the conflict or not. But I'm happy, though, like, I had to really push myself to understand where you were coming from because I was so it's so hard to understand someone when you're pissed off <laughs> and to try to understand someone when you're mad and I think thank you Michelle for pushing me to do that but yeah I guess my question is like what did this whole conflict teach you I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it taught me but it showed me that I still have a long way to go when it comes to being hospitable to other people there was a part of me that was surprised that you thought that I, I would be the kind of person who would just like be totally open to inviting a stranger into our house for the long term. Because like in the in the past, I've just I've always kept people at a distance when people go to eat with each other after church. I just go home when I sit down at church. I make sure that I try to sit down in a pew that is as empty as possible. And then I'm at least one seat away from everyone else. Not because I don't like everyone else there, but because I just, I want my own space. And even things like our mission trip to Vancouver, I was sleeping in a different room than other people. And I was the only one who got that privilege. And so like, there was a part of me that was thinking, when you presented me with this scenario, I, I was thinking like, why do you think I would enjoy this? And if I'm totally honest, like I, I still don't think I would enjoy this. I think the arrangement that you uh, were to come up with where your mom and your sister are living with your girlfriend, that's probably a, a better scenario in, in the sense that your girlfriend has more reason to be invested in your family than I do with them. That is the problem that I am ultimately struggling with is that as much as I like you, as much as I'm really good friends with you, I don't have any investment in your family. And I'm sorry to say that. So for me, like, I suppose if I'm, if I'm learning anything, it's that I need to be, I need to be willing to invest myself in people who I might not have as much connection with, but I also need to figure out a sense of discernment for whether or not these people are worth investing in. Because like, for example, I, I was talking about the friend of mine, I, I lent $500 to, Never got that money back. I, I lent my, my sister about $550 so that she could pay off her college tuition. And I, I very recently got that money back. But like from those experiences, it caused me to take a step back and just automatically default to saying, I'm going to say no mm. until I have a really, really, really good reason to say yes. I think though, I never think about it from the perspective of like, what would I want to do? I personally love living here. I personally like having my own basement. I personally like not really having to interact with a lot of people when I'm home. I can just focus and do my studies. But sometimes, and I think you'll learn this, is like when you have kids, when you have a family, when a lot of the things you want to do really go out the window. And you, what you have to do becomes kind of primary. And it's in, a, in, a, in a way, though, is teaching us to love better Imagine you doing that to your kids or your wife or like, I, I, I just need some space. I can't really spend time with you guys right now. Well, my mom did that all the time. I guess I'm not here to be the judge of any family, but, but I, I do judge that if people aren't being sacrificial towards their family, 
we shouldn't mimic what we have grown up with, you know? But with that being said, I think it taught me it's love, man. Even me, I personally don't want to up and go and find a new place, find new new equipment for a house, new supplies. But it's something I have to sacrifice to help my family, right? Yeah, so I would say that's important. And I think we have to learn that. I think you help your brother or your sister in need and you and sometimes it's not an investment. It's just you help them because you have to help them. And it's like, and it just teaches you how to give without expecting sometimes. Well, I'm hoping that you can at least expect not to get screwed. Only if your expectation is to get a return, then you get screwed. Like obviously if someone's giving you an oath and saying, I'll pay you back, I'd be really shocked if they don't. Like imagine you give someone like $20, they say, and I'll pay you back, and then they don't pay you back, and they refuse to pay you back. Okay, I won't expect that 20 bucks from that person, but also I'm not gonna invest into a relationship with that person anymore. It, it, it has become a, like an evidence that this person might not be the best person to keep around you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it serves as a means of filtering, but it doesn't give us permission not to love people and uh, to still serve people. But it does give us also permission not to go into a deeper relationship with that person and associate with that person as we once did, you know, met just like Judas, you know, Judas was associating with them and then he betrayed them. And, and then he killed himself. Then he killed himself and he kind of, my point though is like, we don't have to associate with everyone, but we should love everyone and we should still serve everyone. But with those that are especially close to you, that's my point. Like you can't serve every, we can't help the poor. Jesus said that the, the, the poor will always be there, you know, but it's a question of the people that you do consider friends, the people that are close to you, your neighbor, if you don't love them and support them, to me, that's a bit dangerous of how, how much of our Christianity is just in our heads and how much of it is manifesting in our lives. Anything else you want to talk about and, and address in this episode? No, I think no, that was really good. I think it, it shocks me how transparent you, you always want to get us on these podcasts and it's interesting. But I hope like the, the audience whoever's listening to this, we're not only just we're not trying to just share a message, but we're also sharing our lives and our lives are not perfect and our lives, none of us have really arrived, but uh, we're striving for more and we want to be more like Jesus and and we have to learn how to push and challenge one another, but, but with grace and and receive grace when we fall. The honest truth is a Christian life is not a perfect life, but it's a life of progress and growth. And sometimes friction comes as a means of growth sometimes, you know? That's what I want to say to the audience if they're listening to this. And also, just to quickly close this out, when we when we say, like, we're not the same, this is one of those moments where it becomes especially apparent. And as, yeah. as, as much as we can, like, champion our diversity and say, oh, like, we have so many different viewpoints, at, at, at the end of the day, it can still cause friction. And whether or not you're willing to reconcile ultimately comes down to what you do have in common. And I, I, I think like at the very least, for as different as we are, I'm glad that Samir and I still love God and we're still working towards honoring God. And that I'm glad that we're the same in. See you guys later. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray and co-hosted by Samir McConan. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, 
or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.